After the dramatic events of Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem, he would have spent most of his time here uh, in the outer courts of the temple area. What you're seeing here beside me are uh, temple shops that were here. It's here where the money lenders would have been, where uh, trade and social life took place. And Jesus always gravitated towards the places of great social impact. And this is where he would have stood to teach the crowds. This is where they would have heard of his plans to redeem the world. For most of his ministry, that social impact occurred most around the evening meal table. In fact, Luke records for us nine times when Jesus meets in somebody's home and engages in conversation with them around an evening meal. And I think Jesus did so for a number of reasons. First, it was just part of the social life of the first century uh, in an age without entertainment and internet and all those kinds of things. But I think more than that, the reason why Jesus did this is because he didn't want to just speak about the kingdom. He actually wanted to put the kingdom into action. And engaging around the table was a way of showing people what the kingdom truly looked like. Everybody of equal value, everybody included and invited everybody partaking in celebration. So for Jesus, the table literally was a place of life. And this is seen no more profoundly than in the final Passover meal that Jesus has with his disciples. It always fascinates me that as Jesus uh, prepares his disciples uh, for the events of his death and resurrection, he decides not to give them some theological theory, but instead he takes them to a large upper room in the heart of the city. And there he shares with them the Passover meal, a meal that they would have had many times before. But now Jesus centers himself within that meal and declares himself to be the final Passover lamb. And Jesus does so because he wants to prepare the disciples for all the events that are about to happen. Jesus does so because he's about to enact a new exodus. In the original, God brought judgment upon Egypt and then delivered his people. Now in this new one, Jesus is going to take judgment upon himself and be the deliverance for all people. And that's what he's going to teach the disciples around the Passover meal in the upper room. And today, I've actually come to a local Messianic Jewish family because I want to find out what this Passover celebration means to those that understand that Jesus is their Messiah. And they've invited me here to share in the meal with them together. So why don't we go check it out? Hey, Matty. Yeah, Good to see you again. Uh, this is Matty. Uh, he's been helping us here on the ground in Israel. And uh, thanks for so much for taking some to time today. Yeah. So this is a house of good friends of mine. Okay. And let's go in and uh, just meet them. Sure. Awesome. My friend Andrew. So nice to meet you. Rachel How are you? Gilad. Mm. Thank you so much for welcoming me to your home. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Asher Kidashanu Bemitzvotav Asautanu 
אור לעמנו ואור לגויים, בשם ישוע המשיח. So we're, we're marking today the Passover celebration. Great. And this is going back thousands of years, uh, all the way back to the book of Exodus, when God commands the people of Israel, right after leaving Egypt, He says, remember what I did for you. Mm. And so ev everything we do in, this, in these, these hours that we spend together is rich in symbolism going back to the Exodus of Egypt, the time in the desert, and the salvation of God. Mm. And sort of generally speaking, everything here is to remind people of what happened, specifically the next generation. Mm. A really big part about, about biblical uh, tradition is sort of the repetition through the generation. So it says, and you told your children, tell your, tell your son about what I, God, did for the people of Israel. Uh, so we have a book, it's called the Haggadah, which means the story of, mm -hmm. uh, the story of Passover that we follow through, and it's full of songs and prayers and uh, other traditions. And then at the center of every Passover table, you have the Passover plate. Uh, and in it, it has a variety of symbols. And then the last thing, which is, is really interesting, is the Passover matzah. Uh, matzah is the, the unleavened bread of the people of, the, the people of Israel ate in the desert. Mm -hmm. And in it, you have three pieces of matzah, of unleavened bread. It's referencing the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. Okay. And something yeah. special we do, and this is without knowing Jesus, uh, the, the Jewish people have always done, uh, and Jesus refers to this, you take the centerpiece of the, the matzah, mm -hmm. and we break it in half, mm -hmm. and we put it back in its place. Okay. And that is called the afikoman, which in Aramaic means the hidden one. Mm -hmm. And in every Jewish home, this is going thousands of years back, every Jewish home, you hide the hidden, broken one. Wow. So who is that? Yeah. Well, That's For us, it's the Messiah, right? Exactly. Yeah, sure. yeah. And then you, you tie it into the words of Jesus. You know, he breaks the bread. He says, this is my... My body. body. Ah. Okay. Okay, that's a light bulb moment for yeah. me. Because, I mean, you know, from our tradition, you know, coming from my context, you know, you just think of a loaf of bread being kind of broken like this, and you yeah. just think it's like just a nice way to share. Yeah. But what you're saying is that symbolic of this, this broken, uh, yeah. you know, second piece here. And so he's, he's directly linking himself to that piece. Exactly. That's amazing. So he's, he's linking himself to the Passover Sedos. So, so when, when Jesus, um, I mean, this is just coming to me now, yeah. but when, when Jesus takes this uh, in the upper room and, and the scriptures tell us he takes the bread and he breaks it, is this, is this what you think he's referring is, to? Yeah, he did break the bread. Right. And when his disciples are seeing him do this, it's, he's speaking to the tradition. He's saying, I'm the hidden I'm, I'm this. He's saying, I'm, I'm this one. It's not like, it's not a new tradition. He's referencing something they've been doing for a long time. That's amazing. And so to them, it's rich in, in content and meaning. I mean, that totally opens up for us a whole different realm of understanding the communion time. Totally. Uh, that we do as Christians. Yeah. When we're doing, you know, what you would call communion, mm. for us, it's kiddush, it's the blessings. Yeah, right, exactly. So, so Yeshua's not inventing something new. He's saying, we've always done this. Here's something new to understand about this. The sacrificial lamb of Passover that's me. So the next thing we're going to do, the next order of this meal, is mm -hmm. the host washing the hands of the guests. Okay. Of course, you can see this in, in the actions of, of Jesus. And of course, in, in Judaism, you wash your hands before every meal. It's called netilat yadayim. It's uh, one of the, the traditions in Judaism, mm -hmm. is to wash your hands before every, every time you, you uh, eat and say a blessing. For Jews, this is, a lot of this has to do with purity. Uh, right. Because you want you want to be clean when you say the blessings. You want to be clean when you engage in, in a meal. Right. So you're always doing a sort of a ceremonial wash or, or bath beforehand. Right. That's great. 
So one of the other traditions of, of Passover is marking the plagues of God to Egypt. Okay. And I mean, there are different ways of doing this. The way my family does it, or uh, my ethnicity does it, is we'll take the wine glass and we'll dip our finger in the wine and tap it on the plate. Mm -hmm. And every time we do that, we mention one of the 10 plagues, dam, blood, tzfaldea, you know, frogs, kinim, lice. We, we reference it. So again, you're reinforcing that remembrance. It would look something like you say, you know, dam, tzfaldea, kinim, arov, tever, shechin, Arbe, Barad, Arbe, Ve Makad Bechorot. So we've done ten, ten times that we repeat this mm -hmm. with the whole family, so you're repeating those commandments. And then that same list is read out in, in the prayers that follow that. You say, if God didn't save us from this, if He didn't send you know, His angel, if He didn't send the plagues, if right. He didn't, you're, you're reinforcing all the blessings, all the miracles that took place to bring you to this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this is sort of about God stepping into their suffering. So we, we had the plate which represents very much the hardness of their life. And in this bit seems to me to represent God's actions to deliver his people. You're hitting on something that's really important in the Passover, which is they say, or we say, that God heard our cry. Right. So say we cried out to God uh -huh. and he heard our cry and he exactly like you said, he stepped in to history and took action in, in our situation. Right, right. So as a people, you really think about that, like, you know, we were about, you know, we were about to disappear as a people, mm. and then the unthinkable, the unbelievable happened, and we're saved against the odds, you know, against anything you would imagine, mm -hmm. and we're saved in a miraculous mm -hmm. way. So again, of course, such heavy symbolism for Jesus here, to sort of say, I'm now, God's acting again. You know, I'm now the, the great Passover lamb, I'm stepping in. Uh, in your place almost. Um, very very yeah. much so. Yeah. So we're going to say a blessing over the wine and go into one of the first blessings of the holiday. Okay. Amen. Amen. Drink the first glass. Chaim. We're going to say a blessing over the matzot. Okay. This is in Aramaic. Oh, wow. Well, going to read it. And that's uh, Jesus's language that he would have spoken. Most likely that was one of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amen. So after we do the first blessings, we take the afikoman, which is the, the hidden one, mm -hmm. which we were talking about, mm -hmm. the broken matzah. And then we have the blessing of korech, which is essentially sandwich. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we break the matzah, and everyone is commanded to take a piece. You take some of the chavosas, which is absolutely delicious, a mixture of dates and nuts and raisins, and that's referencing the mortar that the people of Israel used to build as slaves in Egypt. Okay. And you you make a sandwich. Yeah. So if you look at this, I was mentioning this looks like mortar. You look at that, it almost looks like you're building you know, right, right. bricks. Right, right, two bricks. Thank you very much. Okay, here we go. It's very dry, the bread. The <laughs> bread is very dry. Mm. Yeah. But the, the, the date, it's very nice. Yeah. 
So you have the arm, which is in this case, it can be a, ch a chicken leg or a turkey leg. But what it is, it says God took the people of Israel out of Egypt with a strong arm. Here you go. This is the what's onion, called? which in Hebrew we call maror, uh, which means bitterness, to remember how miserable our life was in, in Egypt. So when you take a bite of that, you're like, oh, you make a face? That's to remember how, how bad things were. It's very strong, right? <laughs> Delicious. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, I'm going to give you some of the chazeret. It's, it's horseradish. It's very unpleasant uh, to the palate if you eat it alone. Right. Again, to, to remember how lousy things were, how bitter they were. Okay. Then you just try it and... You just eat it, yeah. <laughs> That's, um... That really helps the memory of suffering, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we've got, we've got here the kalpas, which is celery. Uh, which is referencing the the hay or what was used inside the bricks that the people of Israel made, okay. and the reed sea. You know, it's red sea is a mistranslation, so it's the reed sea okay. um, that they cross through, mm -hmm. and we dip it in the salt water. Mm -hmm. So also, again, it's bitter again, but also you can think about it as being us being the salt of the earth. I'll dip it too. And then you have the hard-boiled egg to remember how hard our life was in Egypt. So everything is shouting symbolism. Everything is shouting, remember how bad things were and how good God's salvation was. Honestly, it's beautiful symbolism though. Like um, in my traditions, in my backgrounds, you know, we don't have anything that sort of is, is comparable to this. I mean, of course, as Christians, we have, we have communion. Jewish holidays are big into that. Yeah, yeah. We, we joke and say, the tradition is always, they tried to kill us, we survived, no, let's eat. L'chaim. <laughs> L'chaim. Thank you, thank you so much for uh, having me in your home. Thank you so much for opening up your tradition to me and for, uh, for speaking about how Jesus fulfills this, uh, this incredible meal. So, I bless you. If you've ever wondered what communion is all about, that is what we are celebrating. I mean, even for me today to, to sit here and to have that meal with the family and, and to understand all the symbolism. I mean, I was learning things for the first time. I love the fact that that broken bread represents Jesus. I love the, the fact that the, the bitterness is overcome by God's act of miracles. And Jesus is for us the miracle of God. I mean, there's so much beauty uh, in this celebration. And so when Jesus commands us today to break bread and to drink wine, uh, He's inviting us into the Passover for ourselves. Uh, he's not just creating some tradition that He wants us to mimic with little thought or consequence. I mean, He's literally welcoming us into a new way of life. And as I, I sat around that table with that family and saw what this Passover meant to them, it helped me to really fully understand the life that Christ has now invited me into. And every time we step towards the communion table in our churches, this is the life that Christ has opened up for us. Mm -hmm.